Hello, and welcome into another episode of the Data Center Frontiers Show podcast. I'm Matt Vincent, editor in chief of Data Center Frontier. And for today's episode, we take a look at the Vast Data platform. Uh, produced by Vast Data, the platform embodies a revolutionary approach to data intensive AI computing which the company says serves as the comprehensive software infrastructure required to capture, catalog, refine, enrich, and preserve data through real-time deep data analysis and deep learning. Uh, VAST has been in the news uh, quite a bit over the past few months. In September, VAST Data announced a strategic partnership with CoreWeave. Uh, CoreWeave will be employing the VAST Data platform to build a global NVIDIA-powered accelerated uh, computing cloud as CoreWeave tends to do for deploying, managing, and securing hundreds of petabytes of data for generative AI, also for HPC and visual effects workloads. Um, that CoreWeave announcement uh, followed news in August that uh, Core42, uh, formerly known as G42 Cloud, uh, they're a leading cloud provider in the UAE. Uh, Core42 and Vast Data have joined forces uh, in a strategic partnership to build a central foundation for a global network of AI supercomputers that will store and learn from hundreds of petabytes of data. And then just this week in, uh, in October, third week of October, uh, Vast Data announced another uh, strategic partnership with Lambda. Uh, Lambda is an infrastructure as a service and uh, compute provider for public and pr private NVIDIA GPU infrastructure. Uh, this partnership is going to enable a, a AI hybrid cloud uh, with deep learning uh, workloads uh, by building an NVIDIA GPU-powered accelerated computing platform uh, for Gen AI across public and private clouds. Lambda selected the Vast Data Platform to power its on-demand GPU cloud, uh, providing uh, customers with GPU deployments for large language model training and inference workloads. So there you have uh, three announcements from three burgeoning AI cloud providers within three months who uh, want to standardize with vast data as uh, their scalable data platform behind their respective clouds. And uh, as uh, vast notes in, in their press, three makes for a trend. I guess it does. Uh, these partnerships uh, position VAST to lead a new category of data infrastructure that will build the next generation public cloud. The company contends. Uh, we're here today, we spoke with Andy Pernsteiner. Uh, Andy is field CTO at VAST. Uh, he's uh, spent the past 15 years focused on supporting and building large scale high performance data platform solutions. Um, from humble beginnings, I'm reading from his bio now as an escalations engineer at pre-IPO Isilon to leading a team of technical ninjas at Mapper. Andy's consistently been in the front lines, solving some of the toughest challenges that customers face when implementing big data analytics and next generation AI. So this interview took place um, earlier this month. It was uh, shortly after uh, Vast Data's uh, core weave announcement. Uh, and after the uh, Core 42 announcement, but before uh, today's uh, announcement with um, Lambda. So, uh, but as you'll see from the interview, uh, Andy hits all the high points of uh, uh, 
where Vast is uh, positioned here with uh, its uh, AI computing platform. So uh, without further ado, here's uh, Andy Pernsteiner with Vast Data. So I think that, so I'm sure you know somewhat of our history, sort of how we got to this point uh, in terms of we began life primarily as a data storage platform. And we started to evolve that to include more functionality. Um, earlier this year, we announced a database. And then in August, we announced a number of, I'll call them uh, not extensions, but rather additional layers on top of our platform. One of which uh, we dubbed the data engine and one of which we dubbed the data space. And the way that we see things in the future is that in the cases where customers are trying to build out AI practices, um, there's going to be a stratification between them. There's going to be those that have the infrastructure, people, tools, and resources available to build it themselves. Mm -hmm. And they'll know how to do these things and they'll stitch together their own infrastructure or they may use different uh, technologies in the public cloud or some combination of both. Um, but those are generally going to be the people who are more knowledgeable. There's going to be customers who will leverage technology partners like CoreWeave, um, who have already built out an AI-ready platform. Um, now, of course, CoreWeave only builds part of the platform, and then they work with Fast for the rest of it. And so for those customers, we are looking not only to offer data storage for both structured and unstructured data, but also the ability for them to run the entirety of their workflows directly on a vast managed platform. Now, how we implement that is going to evolve over time. There are some work, there is work that we're doing with various technology partners to extend ourselves up further into the, we'll call it the application stack. Um, but if I were to imagine the future, I would imagine a world where a user or a data scientist uh, is able to easily run experiments, and then additionally develop and train models directly on the platform without having to go and pull in additional compute resources or pull in additional application frameworks, that everything could be self-contained. And it won't be for everybody, right? It's In some cases, there are going to be people who are trying to custom fine-tune more bespoke implementations, and they're going to go and build everything themselves, and they're going to want to stitch everything together themselves. But we're trying to build something that the vast majority of customers and enterprises out there can use for AI and deep learning and machine learning. Um, it's funny, I was at a talk in London a couple of weeks ago, and I asked, and it was, a, it was an AI and machine learning focused conference and deep learning and, and uh, generative AI were very focal points of the entire section. There's several thousand people who showed up. Um, and I had a room of about 150 people and I asked them if they'd ever heard of a GPU. <laughs> and surprisingly, very few had, or they had heard of that, but didn't really know what the purpose of a GPU was in, in terms of its role in AI and machine learning. And so what that tells me is that the practitioners out there who are developing pipelines, who are coming up with the questions to ask of the data, they, they don't understand the infrastructure. They don't even understand the basic components that piece it all together. And so they need somebody to help them manage that because to be honest, we don't believe that the infrastructure people anymore are ready for what's happening. The, the fact that CoreWeave exists at all is proof 
that the, the market doesn't yet have a way of solving for this big gap between where we are right now and where we need to get to in terms of uh, generative AI and in terms of deep learning. So in terms of vast role in all of this, you know, we started again from a data storage platform. We extended it to include a database. Partial reason that we did that is to satisfy a large number of our existing data lake customers because they had needs. But we also had the vision of using our database as a way for data scientists and AI ops technicians to be able to have one place to store not only unstructured, but also structured data. And then also to allow them to derive structure from their unstructured data and have a place to put it. So if you consider things when you're doing uh, training or if you're doing inference, oftentimes you need to label data, you need to classify data, you need to store that information somewhere. And ideally you don't have to manage multiple different places to store them. Uh, you know, another aspect of it is consolidation. And if we think about what you would have to do to stitch together a generative AI practice, let's say in the cloud, um, there are not only several different data storage platforms, both from block to file to object to fast file, you know, of course, in the cloud, they like to charge for every little thing. And so oftentimes you have stratification even within a segment um, of data storage. But in addition, you have many different structured types of uh, data storage platforms that exist in the cloud as well. Um, data warehouse, key value, um, more relational database, data warehouse, all of these bits and pieces, they're separate silos to manage in these clouds. They're charged differently. They have different APIs. Somebody has to stitch them all together. And that usually means that the burden is put on the AI ops and DevOps people. And I think the big bottleneck that we're finding with most of our customers now, it, part of it's infrastructure, like it's been, you know, supply chains have been challenging, but part of it is also the fact that there isn't the expertise out there that knows how to build all of this and keep it maintained. And so we want to insert ourselves into a place where we have infrastructure that is well-maintained. We have infrastructure that is easy to maintain for practitioners and we can allow services to be layered on top of it. So really happy that we're working with CoreWeave because they kind of fit the model of where we're going, which is we think that AI shouldn't just be for hyperscalers to deploy. It shouldn't just be OpenAI, Meta, Microsoft, and Amazon, and Google who get to deploy large-scale models, who get to get the most benefit from AI. We think that every organization can benefit, and we think that if given the opportunity, every organization can build a successful practice because Ultimately, the most valuable asset that organizations will have in the future is their actual data. Um, obviously, they have products that they sell, but the derivative data that they get from selling, from interacting with their customers, from interacting with their employees, from every facet of their business, that data is valuable. And monetizing on data, we think, is going to be something that will drive economies in the future. So uh, so the customers uh, for this uh, platform are are uh really just it's a uh, multi-tenant uh data centers like uh, everyone else besides the big uh hyperscalers is that oversimplifying it and then uh maybe a little uh i, I think that so i i mentioned two classifications of customer right so there, there's obviously more than that one one is they build it all themselves they keep it all in-house or they do it all in the public cloud and they, they use the entire ecosystem there that's um, that's one. The, the other is the, the, the hyperscalers basically develop it all themselves. Um, but I think there's going to be a mixture of people who are um, leveraging the core of the world 
when they get to a certain scale or when they're trying to get started, because that's one of the unique things that CoreWeave does, which is that they make it easy to get started with GPUs, but they also have the breadth and scale in case you want to get to a production state. So if you were to go and deploy in the public cloud today, you can deploy, but generally speaking, the cost and the scale that you can get to in the public cloud doesn't necessarily meet production requirements. You can, you can prototype, you can do basic things, um, but they haven't yet built out the infrastructure to make it easy to deploy at scale. Core, you can get started very small and you can grow and scale to a pretty large value. I mean, the, the, the numbers they've been talking about with us have been pretty intense in terms of the size and breadth of what they're deploying. Um, and I think there will be some customers who want to keep it all in-house. They, they don't want to put anything anywhere. Um, and I think that we're offering a platform that could be deployed not only in places like CoreWeave, but also within a customer's own data center in case there's requirements around movement of data to an entity that's not owned by the customer, as well as requirements around if there's too much data to move, uh, it's less expensive to keep it locally and train on it locally than it is to ship it somewhere else. So um, we kind of see us bridging the gap between on-prem and in the cloud, uh, and that should give customers a lot more flexibility in how they build these out. Understood. So this is kind of an academic uh, outside uh, question uh, here, uh, but uh, let's uh, uh, first of all, can we can we talk about NVIDIA uh, for a minute? Because NVIDIA is obviously uh, working uh, very closely with uh, uh, CoreWeave. So like vast data is uh, the GPUs it's uh, pulling in. Is it mostly are we just talking about NVIDIA or is are we talking about all the other uh, uh, you know, I know Google has a TPU uh, that they're working on, and there are other uh, iterations of. Uh, You're talking about other GPU vendors specifically. Yeah, is it is it is it linked in uh, closely? Uh, very, uh, you know, in a proprietary way uh, with Nvidia or no? There's no there's nothing proprietary that we have done. Now there is some optimization that we've done in partnership with NVIDIA, um, which didn't really require us to change much on our side, uh, but we did have to do testing and validation. So there's something known as what's called GPU direct storage, which is an NVIDIA initiative where uh, the GPUs that are running in a server are able to directly access data without having to pass it through the same layers of the compute stack that is normally required when you need to read data into a GPU. And so Vast is one of a very small number of vendors and products that is able to uh, allow NVIDIA to use GPU direct storage to access data. Um, but it's it's more proprietary on NVIDIA's side, not proprietary on our side. So if another vendor, for instance, were to implement something very similar, we would be able to interoperate without having to make any changes. Um, but again, we have a very strong partnership with NVIDIA. We've Honestly, the GPU direct storage part of it and our focus on uh, working with NVIDIA has been going on for several years. In fact, I think that if, even if I go back three or four years, we decided very early on that that was a good bet to place. And it's been it's been a very been very fruitful, we'll say. Yeah. So I, I don't want to get too uh, far off the path because I want to talk about vast data. But um, so did you, you probably saw this story uh, this week? It was in. It, in the information, uh, this publication about uh, NVIDIA, they found out that in, NVIDIA has held discussions uh, about uh, with at least one data center owner about leasing space for its DGX cloud. 
uh, service. And, you know, this is kind of an in your face to, to AWS for, for reasons like what's the difference between NVIDIA having calls about that? And, and again, pardon me if this is kind of a dumb question, but, and what NVIDIA is doing with CoreWeave. Well, I can't fully comment because I'm, I don't work for NVIDIA. Um, you know, I think that one of NVIDIA's goals is to get GPUs out to as many customers as possible. And I think that's one of the reasons that they're working very closely with CoreWeave because CoreWeave, CoreWeave has relationships with customers. They know how to build out data centers. They know how to build out network fabrics. And so they can get a cloud up and running very quickly. Um, in terms of NVIDIA building out their own DGX cloud, I think that it's probably also something in the same vein. They want to give customers an easy way to use their GPUs. Now, I couldn't tell you what the business proposal looks like between helping CoreWeave get off the ground versus getting their own DGX cloud off the ground. That's way beyond what I can talk about. Um, but you know, again, their goal is to get GPUs and AI and machine learning into the hands of as many people as possible. Um, and it's it's a fast path to it, right? Selling to individual customers is going to take forever, but sort of jump-starting these clouds, whether they be hosted by NVIDIA or by a third party, seems like a much better bet. Thanks. Thanks for helping me out with understanding that. So um, so back to Vast. So everything I read about, it's a, it's a storage ecosystem is, you know, I guess that's stating the obvious, but... Uh, you know, I uh, we covered probably I should have asked my uh, colleague uh, David Chernikov to uh, sit on here with me because he's uh, got more insights into the inside the data center stuff. But I mean, it's, uh, you know, take if you can. I mean, I know you wanted to take I, I guess I read that the company uh, started in, in 2019 or, or 2015. And I was uh, reading an interview with one of the founder, founders where they said storage wasn't even like the first thing that you started trying to do with this uh, platform. So I guess it's kind of a platform evolution question going into, um, you know, is is vast data the kind of platform that is just uh, AI becomes more ubiquitous that, you know, uh, people are just going to start uh, picking up because this is the the platform that you need to deal with uh, the data or or if you whether you anticipate competition or if there is competition right now. Um, you packed a few things in there, so I'll, I'll try Sorry. and piece them through one at a time. In terms of our initial founding principles, um, what, what was found was that we wanted to build a platform for people to be able to store, analyze, process, and gain insight out of data. That's a pretty big high-level word, and every single vendor out there who sells almost anything is going to say basically the same thing. Okay. Um, we focused on storage initially, primarily because it was something where we saw that we could offer something very unique at the right time in the market. Um, it also happened to be something that was foundational to everything else we were going to build. And so we started there. The, the, the goal was always to evolve into a company and into a product line that would allow customers to do more than just store the data. Um, but we had to start somewhere. And actually, if you think back into Amazon's early days in terms of AWS, that was the first area they focused on because it was how you got the data. Once you have the data, you can start to layer services and other offerings on top because the customers don't wanna to have to move the data. I mean, that's a pretty simple, simple equation. Now, in terms of 
I'm trying to remember your second sort of bit of question there. Try and keep me on track to where you went after that. Because first we talked about storage versus the data platform. Then I think we talked, you, you mentioned something else. Asking if like the roadmap is for this to sort of become a one of those universally uh, adopted uh, sort of platforms that anybody who's running AI is going to need or whether there will be or are competitors. So, I mean, I can't tell you there won't be any competition. Um, I think, though, that in the in the space that we are putting much of our energy into, there isn't really a competitor. Um, there are other data storage products, for sure, including those that are used for AI and deep learning. There are other data platform and, and analytics products, but they don't focus on controlling and owning how the data is stored. And so we're the first company, first technology rather, that stitches together all of these things into something that is universe, sorry, universally usable by customers to do all of these things. And so I think that the integration of the storage for both the structured and unstructured, which is also very unique, there, there are very few offerings out there, especially offerings that are fully supported by a company, um, that can support both structured and unstructured data. And because we own effectively how that data is stored, we can also create linkage between all of the different offerings that we have on it in a way that's much more difficult for a set of open source projects or even ecosystem components in the cloud to do. Uh, for example, if you go into most public cloud vendors, they'll have an object store, they'll have a database, they'll have a compute framework, they'll have an AI framework. And they stitched them together with APIs, but they were never designed with each other in mind. They were designed based on the fact that they needed to add another service. And so they figured, let's add this one based on the need that we have. And so they get lowest common denominator transmission of data between them. They don't necessarily optimize for the performance. Um, they haven't built it out in that way. In fact, in many ways, that's what sets companies like CoreWeave apart from some of the public cloud providers is they focus on saying, we need something extremely high performance for AI and deep learning. The public cloud is never optimized for that. They were optimized for general purpose. And so for us, are we optimized for AI and deep learning? Yes, because we started from a place where performance, cost, and efficiency were the most important things. And I think that as companies try to build out their own gen AI practice or deep learning practice, those are the things they're gonna focus on. Um, and, and, and obviously when people get started out, they need ecosystem support, they need developer support to get going. But once you start to build things out at scale, you can't just take what you built in some, you know, you can't take what you built on your laptop and deploy it in a data center without having something that's been an architect from scratch to do it. And so that's where we're unique in this aspect is that we've developed a platform from scratch that's optimized for massive scale, performance and efficiency um, and it, it marries very well with the deep learning concept, right? Even, you know, even when we were first starting out, we focused on high performance computing customers and research institutions. They weren't doing deep learning per se, but in many ways, the, the way of using compute and storage together, that paradigm is similar to deep learning uh, and HPC. And so we we're very natural fit to move into that space. And because of our architecture, we're very well suited to be able to extend ourselves and do better than other vendors could. Got it. Thanks. So at the beginning of the call, you mentioned that, you know, you, you were at a conference and they didn't even 
you know, the audience didn't have a, a you know, a handle even on the infrastructure. Um, so CoreWeave has the infrastructure, so that's a good partner for Vest. But what about in a case where it's it's a provider who does not quite have the infrastructure yet? Do you run into that for AI? Um, I'm sorry, maybe I missed the first part of that question. So you're saying well, uh, Core, uh, CoreWeave's CoreWeave's a good uh, partner. It sounded like you just said uh, sure. for Vest because they. You know, they know what they're doing. They're dedicated to the infrastructure. <laughs> yeah. They they're they're yeah, yeah, yeah. they're there for, you know, to provide the AI infrastructure. But you know, when you're talking to a room full of you know operators who are still getting their arms around what a GPU is, they sure, might sure. the yes. so how do you bridge it's, that gap? It's interesting because I, I had a couple different conversations with people when I was at that talk. Um afterwards, we talked I talked with a few people, and I think that what we find is that we can educate infrastructure people on what they should be able to do. Um, but oftentimes you have to partner with organizations that build out data centers because what's happening is, um, you know, we're, we're a little bit fortunate in the sense that our initial customers knew what they were doing in terms of building out infrastructure. They didn't know they had to deal with deep learning, but they were doing high performance computing. They were doing um, very, very uh, high intensity workloads. And so they had to build out networks and compute and data centers that were optimized for those things. Um, but over the course of time, of course, we've extended ourselves to be able to be suited for more, we'll call them enterprise workloads, which aren't necessarily as intensive, but are mission critical from the sense that if a business has issues with their applications, that costs them real money. So it's not research anymore, it's enterprise, and in the enterprise world, they're much more risk averse. They don't like to build out a large scale data centers that are for high performance computing. They'd rather build out a bunch of smaller silos and they are going through a re-education to some extent because they're realizing that if they keep all of these things in different places, they aren't gonna get or extract the full value out of their data. And so we're involved to some extent with this education, but we do rely on other partners. In fact, it's very fortunate that NVIDIA um, acquired Mellanox in many ways because it gives them the ability to be authoritative on the networking space as well. Because something that's often overlooked when building out uh, AI and deep learning uh, architectures is that you have GPUs and you have storage, but you have, in order to feed it, you need a network that's very high speed and very robust. And that's that hasn't been the design for most data centers in the past. So um, I think that we can offer components of that and we can offer advice based on our previous experience, but oftentimes we are bringing in partners, including NVIDIA, to be able to help with those conversations. Got it, thank you, great insights. I didn't realize, uh, and I probably should have, that uh, NVIDIA had acquired uh, Mellanox. Yeah, it was uh, a few years ago. Um, we, and just, just for, for background, you know, VAST has been very involved with Mellanox since the very beginning. Since I started working here almost six years ago, um, they were our, preferred network vendor of choice. Um, it doesn't mean that that's the only thing that we support. It just means that we had very, very close tie-ins. And so when NVIDIA acquired Mellanox, it actually made it a lot easier for us for lots of different integration points. Um, and it gives us a lot better access to people who are building out these large scale networks. And so um, what's interesting is that, you know, we've, we've taught a lot of customers how to transition to be able to do these kinds of things. 
Um, one of the unique things that we do is we can bridge the gap between the high performance networks and the enterprise networks. So oftentimes high performance networks are built in one way, maybe using one type of technology, and then the enterprise networks are built another way. But because of our architecture, we can patch into both of them and still offer the same single namespace of data uh, that customers can access. So no longer do people have to have separate silos for high performance and AI and for enterprise workloads. They can have it in one place, even if they keep the segmentation for their applications for security and other purposes. So um, we're the only vendor that I'm aware of that can bridge the gaps between those two worlds and do so in a way that lets customers get the full value out of all their data. Thanks for that. Well, it's just, uh... A great education for me. Uh, I've, I have to confess, I've only been on uh, this job since uh, July 1. So uh, before that, I was covering the data center space uh, from a uh, very much a cabling uh, centric uh, perspective. That's why I know uh, about uh, Mellanox. That's how I was covering the data. Gotcha. So, I mean, it's like, so armed with vast data, does a company like CoreWeave, are they ready to go uh, directly toe-to-toe uh, -to -toe with, a, you know, a big hyperscaler like AWS or any of the big clouds, or is that not what it's about? I mean, I, you, you know, you know. I, don't, I don't know if that's what it's about for them. I mean, you'd have to talk with CoreWeave. What I see is that, you know, companies like CoreWeave, they've, they've been building out data centers at large scale. Uh, or, or the people who work at CoreWeave have been building out large-scale data centers for years. So they know what they're doing in terms of building out infrastructure. I think what CoreWeave needs to do and what we're partnering with them to do is start to layer services on top. Because if you give customers the raw infrastructure, the GPUs, the network, the storage, uh, now what do you have to give them? We have to give them ways to use it, which means that you need to give them frameworks and orchestration to be able to allow them to deploy their training and inference and all of their applications without them having to build it themselves. Um, and so there's components that NVIDIA provides in terms of some software layers that they, uh, that they offer that help with this. And there's some that have to be built by CoreWeave and some that have to be built by us. And our goal, is to build as much as we can so that CoreWeave can effectively offer those as services to their customers without them having to build them themselves. Because we understand how to move and manage data very well. They understand how to manage compute uh, very well. And so what we wanna do is let them focus on what they know. And then at the same time, we can start to offer more services so that if their customers need something, they don't have to go build it themselves, right? We have an engineering organization that's extremely large now that is dedicated to building lots of new applications and services. And our focus on enabling these GPU cloud providers is one of the top priorities for the company right now. Um, this is a question and I, uh, I don't know how long you have for the call. I, or I actually, I don't know how long we have left on Zoom. I'm not seeing the uh, little, uh, marker that I usually I have maybe five I have maybe five minutes. Yeah. Um so uh this is more of a general question, but I've been reading a lot of stuff, you know, people are really starting to think about now. I mean, they're just looking even just at NVIDIA, you know, all the uh, I saw a story yesterday. They're they're talking about like a shelf of eight GPUs and you know people are doing the math, you know, people in the industry uh like from Microsoft and stuff, you know, engineers that I've been reading on uh, LinkedIn are doing the math and saying, you know, if all this stuff is going to be plugged in for AI hardware, it's looking like it's going to be like an additional, 
you know, two or three gigawatts or something coming online and everybody's, you know, up in arms about, you know, uh, power capacity and how little power there is for data centers. And now, you know, it's going to be all this. So does a, a platform like VAST, which is is about, I get it, you know, it's about layering on services and it's about working with the data. But as you're working with the data, is there any thought to like the power optimization or data center frontier this week just published an article about how, uh, you know, Google is going to be doing this demand shifting, you know, moving power around in times of, uh, you know, uh, mm -hmm. emergencies on the grid. I mean, does a platform like vast data get to the power issues that are going to be involved or is that just something else i ask you well, because next there, there's a couple there's a couple aspects of it one is that our platform is optimized to use power very efficiently uh, we've always been our goal initially when starting the company was not just to offer something that was fast and scalable but it had to be efficient both in terms of cost power consumption and data center space so our platform itself is efficient now, in terms of optimizing, let's say the GPU time to to be more efficient with power, um, you know that's that's going to be that's going to revolve around a couple of different disciplines. One discipline is to ensure that you only use the GPU for what you need to use it for, um, and you only do so in a way that is incremental to what you've already done. So, for example, if someone was going to do, let's say, training of a model. Having to retrain a model over and over again and tie up a GPU just for experimentation purposes is probably going to be less efficient. And, and to be honest, let's let's imagine you're a customer and you're using a, a provider like Coreweave to be able to deploy your GPU-based architectures. You're not going to want to spend more money than you can than you than you need to in order to do what your work is, right? They're renting the GPUs out. I can't remember the price. Let's pretend it's a couple dollars an hour. Um, that's that's per GPU hour. And so if you're deploying hundreds or even thousands of GPUs, that's a lot of money to spend and not necessarily get value out of it. So customers are going to have to get much more efficient at deciding when uh, when to use the compute. I think there's also something to be said about consolidation and collaboration between entities, right? So one thing that, that the cloud, including CoreWeave, enables customers to do is to collaborate without having to poke holes in their firewall or allow people access into their data center. And so you can imagine that research institutions that are trying to do deep learning, they don't necessarily have to do it on their own and get their own results. They can collaborate. And that's one thing that we've been working with a lot of research-based universities on is trying to find how they can start partnering with other peer organizations. You know, for example, if you look into the, most of the universities that have life sciences uh, wings or research arms, uh, they typically have a rotating set of PhDs who come in, they, they get a grant, they write a paper, they do a lot of experimentation, maybe for one to two years, and then they move on to another university. Well, it doesn't make any sense for them to have to start from scratch when they go to the next one. And it doesn't make any sense for some other PhD researcher to have to go and start from scratch when they do their experimentation. So allowing for all these organizations to share their data and share in the compute resource that they've had to use to generate their models and insights, that's also something. And I think that historically, people have kept things in their silos for lots of different reasons. Some of it is uh, political. Some of it is related to data security and provenance. 
and some of it's related to technology. And what we found is that technology has given people ways of sharing data safely in such a way that you can anonymize personally identifiable information, you can mask data, you can make it so it can be usable without necessarily sharing the parts that need to stay private. And so now you have this opportunity to collaborate. And I think that ultimately will allow people to be more efficient with how they use their compute. But honestly, some of this is beyond what we have control over. We can just enable people to do it, right?